G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Imagine for a moment that you're an outcast, a criminal, let's say, the last person that any respectable folk in town want to be seen with. And then, then Jesus comes to town, the Son of God, and he bowls up to you and says, hey, how about I come over to your place for dinner tonight? What would that say to you? What would it say to everyone else? I'm Bernie Diamond, and welcome again to the program today as we take a look at this unexpected Jesus from a different perspective. Over the course of this week on the program, we've been chatting about the passion that Jesus has to come and fellowship with us, the passion he has, as it were, to share a meal with us. And so often, that's the last thing you and I expect. The more we become aware of God and who he is and the love he has for us and all that he's done for us, the more aware, too, we become of our own shortcomings. The more aware we become of our sin, the more aware we become of the fact that we simply are not worthy to have a relationship with him. That's what kept me running away from God for almost two decades of my life, this knowledge that if I ever came face to face with a living God, that I'd get what I deserved, condemnation and punishment. That, of course, was before I understood the concept of grace, the unmerited favour of God, the mercy and the forgiveness that I have when I put my trust in Jesus Christ. Although, to tell you the truth, so awesome is the grace of God, this, this amazing grace, that I'm absolutely certain that it'll take me the rest of eternity to truly come to grips with what it means. And I know that I'm not alone in that. So when some joker gets on the radio and starts talking about this Jesus knocking on the door, wanting to have a meal with us, wanting to fellowship with us, man, I know how difficult that can be to come to grips with. Listen, says Jesus, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open it, I'll come in to you and eat with you and you with me. That's Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. That's the key passage that we've been unpacking so far in this series, this idea that if we'll have an earnest change of heart, you and I, if only we'll open our hearts to receive Jesus, he'll come to be close to us, he'll linger with us, he'll dine with us. It's an awesome idea. But is it true? Other than this one verse in the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, is there any evidence that Jesus really, really wants to do that, that he really means to do that in my life and in your life, despite how unworthy you and I know that we are? That's the question. Well, today we're going to spend some time with an outcast who perhaps, like you and me, would have struggled to begin even to comprehend that this could be true. He was a man who was loathed by his fellow Jews. He, he was despised by them. Why? Because he was a tax collector. Now, none of us likes to pay tax so much, do we? Although these days we kind of get it that we need taxes in order to live in a country that provides law and order and hospitals and schools and and all the other essential services to its people. 
But back in first century Israel, tax collectors were essentially extortionists. They would bid for the rights to collect tolls on a particular road, let's say, on behalf of the Roman emperor and on behalf of the local ruler. That was the first thing. They were working for Rome, the occupying force oppressing their fellow countrymen. And secondly, once they won the right to collect a toll on this particular stretch of road, they then inflate the amount in order to pay the bribes they needed to pay in order to win the rights in the first place, and secondly, in order to make exorbitant profits. And most of them lived a pretty high life. So you can see why they were so despised by their fellow Jews. So imagine a tax collector living in a town and he hears that this rock star Jesus is coming to town. The crowds are milling around. They've all heard about the miracles. They're all aware of his reputation as a preacher like no other. That's where we pick up Matthew's story. Matthew chapter 9, beginning at verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth and he said to him, follow me. So Matthew got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees, the religious leaders, saw this, they said to the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners." Now, intuitively, we'd imagine you and I that if the Son of God was coming to town, he'd want to catch up with, I don't know, the religious leaders, in our case, maybe an archbishop or the bishops, or he'd be wanting to dine with senior politicians or perhaps reputable business leaders. But imagine if instead Jesus, the Son of God, walked into your town and my town, past all of the respectable people, and went to dine down in some seedy cafe with the prostitutes and the drug dealers. Imagine that. What would people say about Jesus then? Well, that is precisely what he in effect did. And the religious leaders were none too happy with him, as as we've just heard. And from a human perspective, you can kind of understand that. It's not what we would expect the Son of God to do. I mean, if you and I were Matthew, would we have expected Jesus to come and have dinner with us and with all our other outcast friends? Absolutely not. That's the last thing we'd have expected. In Eastern culture... Table fellowship's a big thing. It it confers honour on someone when a person of higher status comes to dine at their place. See, this was a powerfully symbolical act. Jesus did it very deliberately, not just to tell Matthew and his mates that he'd come to earth for them, but to explain to everyone else, especially those hypocritical, self-righteous religious leaders, that Jesus had come not for the people who had their acts sorted out, but Jesus had come for sinners like you and like me. Now, let's just put ourselves in Matthew's shoes for a bit. How does that make him feel? To know that this amazing miracle man, this this man Jesus with rock star status, who draws massive crowds to his meetings, comes to his place for dinner. How would that make you feel? Well, for me, I'm thinking I would be completely blown away, completely by the honour, by blessing and honouring Matthew in this way, without any condemnation at all, without telling Matthew what he already knew, that he was living a life that was wrong, Jesus gets a change of heart out of this man. Jesus shows Matthew and his friends mercy, something the religious leaders apparently didn't know too much about. And as a result, Matthew ends up leaving his lucrative extortion racket of tax collecting and toll collecting And he becomes one of Jesus' 12 disciples, only eventually to lose his life for Jesus. Friends, 
That's the transformation the mercy of God through Jesus Christ brings into our lives. This, this radical mercy, this radical grace, this radical love that has him accepting us just the way we are is what sets off a chain reaction of transformation in us. It has to. It, it's so outrageous. And all we have to do is to acknowledge where we're at and earnestly turn our lives back to Jesus because he came precisely for sinners like you and me. And wherever you happen to be on your journey, what, whatever you've done in your life that you're ashamed of, whatever has caused you to drift away from God ever farther every day, it's all washed away the moment you put your trust in this Jesus who came for Matthew, who came for me, who came for you. That's grace, pure and simple. The totally unmerited favour of God for all those who would place their trust in this Jesus who's knocking at the doors of our hearts this very moment and asking us to invite him in. This very Jesus who wants to have dinner at our place, to linger, to laugh with us, to listen to us, to lead us on into a new place, a new freedom, a new eternity. He stands at the door and knocks. He waits. What a pity that with so many of us, he waits for so long. I'd just like to remind you that if you have a prayer need, we would love to pray for you. Listen, the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at powerfulprayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could pray for one or two others and leave them an encouraging word. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So let us pray for you and with you. And let's just see what God does, how he intervenes, how he chooses to bless you. That web address again is powerfulprayer.org. I'm Bernie Tymot. Catch you again, same time Monday, with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.